All right, let's open the that book of Hebrews chapter 4. Let me, this time around, let me start reading from the book of Hebrews chapter 4. We're reading that chapter 5. I'd like us to just take this high priesthood matter back up a bit. I want to give a small background to that book of Hebrews. Just to give a step-by-step um, progression of actually what happened in the book of Hebrews. If you read that book of Hebrews, you'll see that what he was saying, what the writer was saying, he started by explaining the supremacy of Christ Jesus over Moses. That is, explaining that the new covenant is superior to the old covenant. That was the first thing he began. And what he did in chapter 1 was to explain to us that Jesus is actually superior. He started by saying, God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets, in many portions and in many ways, in these last days, has spoken to us in his Son, who he appointed here of all things. Then he went ahead to describe the excellence or the magnificence of that son. Now, if you go on to chapter 2, he said, Because the son is superior to Moses, in verse 1 he says, For this reason we must pay closer attention to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away from it, or so that we don't let it drift away. For the word spoken through angels proved unalterable, that is, the law was given through angels, all right? And every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense. And this reduced a just penalty. King James says a just recompense of reward. He said, how shall we, how will we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? Now, what he was saying here is that if a lighter covenant, a lighter set of instructions had great recompense of reward when people disobeyed, one that is given by the Lord himself, which he spoke through his son, through the Lord Jesus Christ, that one should have a greater judgment, a greater condemnation, if we neglect it. That's what he was saying. So he now went ahead and explained that he was still talking about that supremacy of Christ. So why it's important we should listen to him attentively. If you go on down to that chapter 3, it was amplifying all of this. For example, we'll give you an example. Moses was faithful in his house as a servant, but Christ was faithful as a son over his house. Still talking about the fact that we need to pay attention to this Christ Jesus who is speaking. Now, he said when Moses was dealing with them, he offered them rest. All right? Moses offered them rest, which was a promised land. He said, but there remains a rest for the people of God. He said he could not enter that rest because of unbelief. Okay? Now, so what we're just trying to emphasize to us is that we can't afford that same unbelief. And that word unbelief, he used it with the word disobedience so that you see that somebody who is not believing in the heart, what manifests outwardly is disobedience. That's what he was trying to explain. Now, like I said, I'm not trying to read everything, just trying to build up. Now, he now said in verse 1, chapter 4, Therefore, let us fear, if while a promise remains of entering his rest, any one of you may seem to have come short of it. For indeed, we have had good news preached to us, just as they also but the word they heard did not profit them, because it was not united by faith in those who heard. For we who have believed enter that rest. That's what he was explaining. Now, in our last, we're now in verse 14, which is where I want to continue reading from today. So you see all this, what was he saying? Moses had a covenant with a promise. That promise, the people could not enter the rest, the covenant promise. 
Now there's a new covenant. That was not brought by Moses. It was brought by the Lord Jesus Christ. The word that Moses gave was word reported to him through angels. He said this one is not through angels. It was spoken by the Son. So this is superior to what you hear from Moses. When Moses was disobeyed, there was, there was um, recompense. There was punishment. There was a penalty for disobeying Moses. He said, if a superior word now comes, can you now disobey it and go unpunished? I don't know whether you get the point. That's what he was trying to explain. That's why he said that now, Moses did not take them into rest. The new word we have in the new covenant comes with a promise of rest. For that reason, we must be careful that we enter into this rest that is promised and not follow the same example of disobedience. Do you understand my point? So the fight is against disobedience. The fight is a fight against unbelief. We did a series then about unbelief, and I would recommend that we should all listen to the series of messages on unbelief. Now, so what, what are we saying here? When people disobey the word of God, they do not enter into the rest. When they disobey the word of God, they enter into judgment instead of entering into rest. Why do they disobey God's word? It's because faith is not found in their hearts. Why do they disobey the word of God? It's because the strength will be is removed from them because of their unbelief. So how do we solve that unbelief? I've been teaching on this, I taught on this in previous times. How do we solve that unbelief? Verse 14, chapter 4. Let's just start from verse 8. How do we solve the unbelief? He said, if Joshua had given them rest, that is the one that took them to the promised land, he would not have spoken of another day after that. Remember, Moses handed over to Joshua. He says, so it means there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. Even though some people entered into the promised land, that could not have been the rest that God was promising. He said, for the one who has entered his rest has himself also rested from his works, as God did from his. Therefore, let us be diligent to enter that rest, so that no one will fall through following the same example of what? Disobedience. My Bible uses the word disobedience. I'm using New American Standard. He said, for the word of God is living and active. There's a reason why I need this for my teaching today. And sharper than any two-edged sword, and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit, of both joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Notice he's talking about the word of God. And there is no creature hidden from his sight. But all things are open and laid bare to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Verse 14, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. Please notice a few words here. Verse 12, I wanted to point, note the word of God, which is living and active. Now we're in verse 14. He said, We have a high priest. For that reason, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. For every high priest taken from among men is appointed on behalf of men in things pertaining to God. We've read this before, so I'll rush through it. He now said, Jesus... In the same way, verse 5, became high priest according to the promise of God. In Acts in verse 7, this Jesus, our high priest, in the days of his flesh, 
He offered up both prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to the one able to save him from death. And he was heard because he feared. Dead. My Bible is the word piety. And I'm going to stick with this literal word, which is fear, which we looked at extensively last time. The Lord is good. All right, so our school of prayer, what we are doing is what? Are you talking to me? What are we doing? All right, that's what we are doing. You see, let me say something to you. The Bible says, return to the Lord thy God, take with you words. When you are going to God, what you do is to take proper words. There's what Solomon calls acceptable words. When you go with, to God, it's not everything you say. All right? You have to be careful that you choose your words correctly. I just feel like reviewing because many people may not understand. At the beginning, we have this, um, what do we call it? This is our chance that we take before we start praying. How does it go again? The one for prayer. You took it just now. Now, this is what we say at the beginning of prayers. We call it the righteousness of God. We declare as follows. I enter into the presence of the Father as a renewed child of God. I have been made righteous by the power of the blood of Jesus, and I give him the praise for it. I have not come in the power of the good works I have done. I have come only because of the grace and mercy which I have through Christ Jesus. And I will give a lot of thanks here and there. All right? Now, why do we say these things? I wanted to just bring out, when we're talking about the prayer, we take the right words. Many times people go to God and they take the wrong words. That's what I'm going to say. What are the wrong words? Lord, you know how good a boy I have been. You know how good a girl I have been. Those are wrong words. What are wrong words? God, you know how much money I have given. You know how much fasting I have fasted. You know how much prayer I have prayed. Those are wrong words. Are you getting my point? Anytime you approach to God and you are telling him what you have done, how well you have performed, how the great, you know, all those good, good things that you have done, you have come with the wrong words. You have spoken wrong words. You must never... I, how, how else will I say this? How else will I... The temptation is great, too. I, I don't know where I get my point. Let me give you a kind of temptation. Assuming I have a sore throat, okay, which sometimes I've had, and the natural response, okay, is that, ah, God, you know, it is you we are using to preach for. I don't know whether you get the point. People don't know those are wrong words. Now, the last one week, I have been preaching your word every day. We just came from our convention where I'm president. You know how busy I get. All right? I said, Lord, I have been preaching your word. I have been preaching your word. For that reason, you will heal this voice. God said, okay, I'm not going to heal it. Go and call AFCC. You will show me where the agreement was that I preach. You preach my word, I heal your voice. No, go and recheck the scripture. There's no such agreement. You know, there are a lot of things we assume. I fell for one like that myself recently. I won't tell you now. I had an issue and I was praying about it. I just said something. Papa God, you know, you know. I've never prayed. I said, Banky, if I mend you, look at what you are doing. You, you, you fall into these things very easily. Say, Lord, it's you I'm using this voice to serve. I'm just using this voice. I don't use it to sing in the club. I don't use this voice to, to curse people. I just use it to preach your word alone. So you will heal it all. He said, God will be looking at you. This boy is not really ready for healing. You will choke. That you, <laughs> and you after a while you can't talk. Then you can't breathe. Then you just, I said, God, but I was using the boy to serve you. Is that how they get healing? Let's be careful when we are going to God. Now I'm talk, I'm not going to my message today. Now we read the scripture. I just want to remind us of what we are doing. Learning. 
learning. Because you must use what the Bible calls acceptable words when you are praying. Wrong words are, Lord, say this is my sore throat, you will heal it. Why? Last week, we were doing evangelism at Bojobo. The other week, we were in Wukari doing evangelism. Then we did it yesterday, I'm just coming from this particular place, and I preached like Chris Delver for seven, for seven hours non-stop. Lord, just in the service of you, now my voice is sore. So I demand healing. After all, I thought God would just be looking at you like this. And believe me, you will get what? Nothing. You are broke. Say, Lord, you know yesterday they gave me one millionaire. I gave a poor man 100,000. I gave a man of God 100,000. I gave a ministry 100,000. I gave my father 100,000. I've honored everybody. You remain only 5,000. You will send more money. God, you like this. I'm not sending. Call the FCC. We need to emphasize this. This is where Christians make mistakes. It's subtle. Oh, good works is dangerous. It, gives, it makes you feel good. And that is the problem with it. You start feeling important. Praise God. When you want to pray, you kneel down. Father, I want to see you. <laughs> no, you, you, you know, let me give you an example. Assuming you give heavily to a ministry. I want to see the pastor. You just assume that he should see you. Good afternoon, sir. And yes, okay, I, I'm the one. I'm the one. Don't you see those alerts? I'm the one, yes. I'm the one. I'm okay, Mute. You know, you see it, the one million, the two million. All right. Last week I was here and I gave you $10,000 personally, remember? <laughs> you know that kind of thing. We have that attitude towards God unconsciously. Tell your neighbor, wrong words. Wrong words. Very wrong. Let me say it again. The more you use those words, the further you are from your answer. That's why sinners enter the kingdom faster. It's a simple reason. They have nothing else to say than, Lord, sorry. What are you doing here? We're told you're a merciful God. Sorry, sir. And that if we just believe, you will forgive all our sins and you will cleanse us of all unrighteousness and just bless us with the things that we want. It's a pastor community that says so. We heard him on radio. God said, uh-huh. do you believe? Absolutely. What else will we be doing if we don't believe? We are dead meat. We are not worthy of any other thing. It's just because we are told that Jesus paid. So we are saying that, okay, if it is true, can we have part of what he paid for? Baba God will cut one big chunk of the heavenly cake and give them. That's how he behaves. Well, those who come, praise the Lord. We are the reading evangelists. <laughs> we are the giving people, the holy people of the earth. Give us our due. He sends them to hellfire. I'm not joking, no. They get home, the house will burn. Children go sick. Poverty will come. <laughs> All kinds of people say, God, you know the ones we're serving? Because you, you, you know, we are doing rewards for works now. I don't calculate time. You never reach. We calculated you have not achieved anything. What about all the righteous works we did? It was like filthy rags. And I, would, oh, I gave a lot of money. Yes, I calculated the cost. It was able to sustain your life for like 
Along when he tried all your offering and everything, it could sustain you for like seven seconds. And since you have been alive for the last 35 years, I checked it, you haven't paid much. The Lord is good. I, I, I don't know why I'm sitting on that because I have a strong feeling somebody here this evening needs to hear it again. Maybe you haven't heard us teach it before. And you've been confused. A man wrote us a letter once. Was he a phone? I don't know. He wrote a mail. Yes, an email. How he applied for a job. And he... <laughs> he sowed a seed. A dangerous one to collect the job. Oh, it was a regular tither. I forgot to mention. I don't know whether I was giving first fruits or whatever. But financially... He was given to God. He did everything, wrapped a special seed with his, um, I think he anointed his application, wrapped the seed in it and did everything and then finally submitted the application. Result came out, he did not get that job. That same day they fired him for the former one he had. So he was confused. So he wrote, please pastor help me. Now his brother was not money now. His brother was not a job. It was a confusion of faith. That I have, what, okay, how else will a man survive? We have used all the keys, the methods to connect. So I, I, I replied to him. I said, I'm very happy this happened to you. The truth is that you've been operating what is not true. And God had an obligation to prove to you it's not true. Let me add many words now. Now you are close to salvation. Now you are close to receiving rewards, what they call it, answers to your prayers, because you have seen that those methods don't work. The seed you sowed with the application was the reason why you didn't get it. If you had just gone simply and bowed your head and said, Lord, I need this job, and these are the reasons, and you are a kind God, that's why I'm asking. You will have gotten it faster. That's why we recite that in at the beginning, and I feel like I have to, uh, Christians must understand it. Anytime you want to pray, declare that thing. I've not come because I've done anything right. Because it's very easy to slip into it. Like I've given an example. You have a sore throat and you say, because I've been using it to sing for God, and my church just did a convention, you know, and because I preached for the last seven days, non-stop every day. You now use that as demand. You expect that God will heal it. After all, if he doesn't heal it, who else will preach for him? If one day your sore throat is healed, if I say this to surprise some people, first you will repent of overusing your throat. It was God you were preaching for. But you see, tell him, I'm sorry, Lord. Did I talk too much? Did I say what I was not supposed to say? You remember that story that that man of God told us at the convention that one man was preaching? He preached powerfully in late hundreds. He see God healed. At the end of the day, he was being mentored by Smith Wigglesworth. He came down and said, Sir, how did I do? That man said, You should have shut up when the Holy Spirit finished 45 minutes ago. He preached for a long time and at the end of the day, for the sick, say God healed. He said, but the, an express man of God said, the Holy Spirit stopped talking 45 minutes ago. But you, you were still talking. He was humble. Sometimes you may need to repent. But so as just to cover all angles, just come there and repent and say, Lord, we have read in the books that you are a merciful God. That even though we sin, there is mercy with you. Why are we asking? Because you are a good God. 
Because Jesus paid, not because we have done anything right. As for the offering we gave, uh-uh, it's not your money. As for the sinking we did for you, who else will we sing for? We have not come here because of that. We've come because you are good. Why do I receive, believe I will receive healing? Because I read in my Bible that Jesus died for my healing. His body was broken. By his stripes I have been healed. Don't say more than that. If you say more than that, you'll be in trouble. That's why we do all these teachings, this school of prayer teaching. So people will know the right things to say. Many people, once they want to kneel down, God says, oh, I have something to do. He doesn't pay attention because he knows what they want to say. So this is my year. God says, who says so? We use wrong words sometimes. All right, the Lord is good. I just, felt, I just felt some people need to hear that. I don't know why. I did, nobody reported you to me. I just that as I was talking, I felt people were listening to it. So let's get back to where we were. Now, back to the main teaching we had for today. So that's, that's what we do in the school of prayer, to get the right words to use. We have been talking about dominion over sin and how it occurs. What we have said is that Jesus was tempted in every way as we have, we have been tempted, but he was without sin. And we said there is a method by which he achieved that. And we have been looking at the fact that that method is the method of prayer. That method is the fact that he cried with loud, so he prayed with loud crying and tears to the one able to save him from death. We said he was heard because he feared. Last time I explained extensively that the problem is that people don't fear. That's one. They don't understand that sin is not a moral problem. They don't understand that it's not about somebody catching you. They don't realize that what is happening is that you personally are losing spiritual ability, which is what I wrote in the book, Beyond Gifts and Talents. If you haven't read it, you're not my friend, especially if you have heard me talk about it before. Why do I say you're not my friend? One, we sell it very cheap. How much is it? Eh? 200 naira, can you imagine? And on top of that, you can download it free from our website. Alright, it's very inexpensive. Two hundred dollars in today, two hundred naira today's naira dollar is what? Less than one dollar, less than one. Alright, it's quite inexpensive. But what's better? You can even download it free, whichever way is <laughs> easy. Alright, to read it. Now, but please try and read the book if you haven't. In that book, Beyond Gifts and Talent, what I, one of the things I tried to explain is why something failed. Why something failed? Something failed not because it didn't have an anointing. Something failed not because the strength of God was not with him. Something failed because he was leaking spiritual substance and he did not know it. And we said that is what sin is. Sin is the attachment that Satan has. Because if you want to, if you studied um, biology, microbiology especially, or biological sciences generally, you will know that before a virus can attach to any cell, it must have what we call a receptor molecule. Before bacteria can attach to any part of any organism, there's something it must attach to. All microorganisms, they have things they attach to. That is why certain viruses can never infect human beings. Why? Because what they attach to, human beings don't carry it. There are certain kinds of um, malaria that some people can never get. Why? Because the blood group they have, or, or they lack a crucial blood group molecule, which that malaria needs to attach to their red cells. So no matter what you do, they can never get it. There's people that can never get leprosy. If you like, soak them, need drink them, do it everywhere. There's certain crucial things. Even with HIV, it's been found out. There are some people that can't get it. If you like, pump them, soak them in the virus. 
Why? Because certain crucial molecules are not on them. That's how life is. Sin is what the devil holds on to when he wants to attach to somebody. Jesus said, the prince of this world is coming, but he has nothing in me. That is, when I go to the cross, or you find me going to the cross, being beaten out of that, it's simply because I determined, I laid down my life of myself. The prince of this world is coming, he has nothing in me. What I was trying to say, for the prince of this world to come and hold you, he must have something to hold. These are the things we mean when we're talking about fear. When we understand all of this, then we avoid sin. To the, that is, when it, even down to the shedding of blood, that, listen, I won't let you get me. Are you getting my point? And that's what happened to the Lord Jesus. We explained that extensively last time. That the plan of the ages, he knew it rested upon him. So he said, no, I will not let this thing fail. And I gave an example. As parents, I said, we are doorkeepers into our home. What you do in the office is not just affecting you and the people in your office. It's affecting your children, your household, your destiny. It's affecting it. What you do at work is affecting people at home. Whether you, the door, the spiritual defense around your home will be intact is dependent upon how you work in righteousness and how you resist sin. And so that's the thing we talked about, that when people understand this, they face it with a different attitude. They face it with a different you know, mindset. It's not just that, that God understands. You see, let me tell you something. Even if God understands, it does not remove the consequences. I don't know whether you're getting my point. Like I said, sin is a spiritual substance. Alright? Like maybe the doctor knows why I drank poison. You're still going to die. I don't know whether you get it from me. He said it was under pressure that I drank it. But you're dead. That's the way it is. And that, let me say something about forgiveness. So forgiveness of sins with God is not cheap. It's expensive. It's expen- very, very expensive. Because it, forgiveness is not just let's overlook it. Forgiveness is that let us correct the damage that has been done. Let us remove the toxin. Let us put an antidote into it. And that's why John said, when we confess our sins, it's faithful and just to forgive and to cleanse of unrighteousness because contamination will have come in because of that sin. Yes. Sin is the reason why people don't achieve their destiny. That is the reason. It's the reason why people can't make sound judgment. <laughs> I should add that one to you too. Iniquity is horrible. Makes a man that should be wise, makes him very foolish. You, you tell the man, two plus two plus two is six. When you remove one, it becomes five. The man says, no, it's 15. Because that one you remove from inside, falls beside it, and the land lies beside it, and that'd be 15. Ha. Please, sir. It is five now. No, it is 15. Why? Because sin has locked his mind somewhere. He can't think properly. I don't want to start teaching about it now. Many of these people call talking about the will of God, the will of God. I've said it many times, get it clear. The will of God is very, is very easy. Discerning God's will is very easy to the pure heart. The will of God is only confused to the polluted heart. And they say, God spoke to me, doesn't impress me. God told me, if you are not a prophet, I'm not listening to you. Honestly, if you are not a prophet, I tell me, God told me, I don't listen. I hear it, doesn't register. That is, if Chris comes to me and says, God told me that we should go to Lokoja. And Okemute is saying, Pastor, I want to go to Lokoja. I trust Okemute's judgment more than Chris. Because at least I can ask Okemute, say, why did you say you want to go to Lokoja? What are you looking for there? You want fish? You know, I can ask questions. When he said, God told me, he said, go first. When you come back, I will know that God told you. If you're not a prophet, I said, the Lord told me, this is what I'm looking at you. 
And don't tell me the Lord told you something about my life because I'm not listening to. You and your wife discuss me at home. I don't care. Because if you say it, unless I've heard it before from him, or something I know, suspect, I don't hmm. But let me just, I'm not ready, ready to preach. And I just just in my body. Never ready to preach. One day I sit down for here. Here, this place. At least two times. I remember two. We're doing something. One guy came, he was vibrating like he had electricity in his body. One smallish dark guy like this. And that anything that anytime the Lord says something to him, they confirm it. It starts me down here like this. Yeah, around here. So what is it? That the Lord sent him to me. I, look, I said, you don't know this guy. In my mind. Okay, I will hear you at first, lest I disdain the prophet of God. The Lord said, I won't tell you what he said the Lord said, because you start laughing, and you won't finish laughing for a long time. And I won't be able to finish my message. <laughs> he told me what the Lord said. He told me where he was ordained into ministry. The man who laid hands on him, I don't know the man, I don't care about the man. The Bible school went to that. So the Lord that he's been on a fast, and God said, you should come and tell me something. I said, I've heard. Okay, go. He required me to do some things based on what God said to him, that you should come and tell me. And when it was done, anyway, I'll tell you part of it, that me and him need to go and do some evangelism. I don't know the guy from Adam. I'm supposed to pack what I'm doing, follow him and go somewhere and start preaching. I'm looking at this guy. <laughs> Even my wife can't tell me this. <laughs> So one evening, I thanked him very much. I did as if he didn't do it, say anything. And I wished him well, and I told him bye-bye. I don't even know what I told him after that. The other one came one day, we were arranging something here. He said, he said, it's a prophet. And that God sent him to me. I said, okay, what did the Lord say? He said, Lord said, you are trying. <laughs> 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 but you are not trying enough. <laughs> In my mind, thank you very much. I, I mean, who, who's doing I don't... I, we always trying to improve. I was standing, the guy he kept me beside the one there. He was looking at me with narrow eyes like this so that I would be intimidated. I was looking at him, see? You don't know this guy. The Lord is good. Why did I go into all of that? I don't even know what I was doing. So. <laughs> anyway, the one I'm making is that. Look, I've heard all kinds of things before. You come and harass me, God said, listen, when it comes to your personal life, tell me, God told me, I'm just looking at you. know why? You can't hear clearer than your heart is pure. And I don't know the degree of purity of your heart. So I can't judge whether you hear clearly or you didn't hear clearly. If you're a habitual sinner, God is not saying anything to you. Trust me. In fact, he's not talking to you. He has lost your number. If a man is a habitual sinner, God is not talking to him about his life. A woman too. God doesn't talk. If you're a sinner, God does not care who you marry. Okay, no, no, no. He wants you to know when he sends you Jezebel so he can marry Jezebel, two of you will be destroyed. Yeah, he likes that one. So a habitual sinner shouldn't tell me God spoke to me. I don't believe a word of it. God didn't say anything actually, so I don't need to believe. Unless, of course, say when I woke up this morning, the Lord said, repent and be saved. Then that's God. <laughs> if you woke up this morning and said, ah, I drank, pastor, that I fell into hellfire and I didn't come out, that's God. So I dreamt this morning. An angel came, cocked a gun, aimed in my direction, and I ran. Ah, Pastor, thank God I was saved. And he says, I'll be back. Then I know it's God. <laughs> because the wages of sin is what? Death. So I know he's being warned. 
Well, everything I'm saying is in Ezekiel chapter 14 from verse 7. It's there. Anyone who has idols in his heart, who has the stumbling block of iniquity right before his face, God said, I don't talk to such people. Yes, yeah, so people like that will come and say, the Lord said to me, I look and I say, mm-hmm. the Lord said to you. And listen to me, you can grade that. What I mean is that the intensity, of, oh, like I said earlier, you can only hear God as clear as, you, as much as you have purified your heart of the idols and the iniquities. The will of God now becomes natural. So whether you say to me, God said to me or not, if you say, I just want to go to that Lokoja, you will be surprised. That it will be the perfect will of God. Perfect. And how did you get to that point? Simply because I want to. Is all he said. That's why I use this illustration all the time. But it's so true. And I showed some of you the brotherhood said that to me at Lokaf. He said, Pastor Banky, did, you, did the Lord speak to you concerning the wife you marry? I said, yes, he did. He said, how did he do it? I said, the officiating priest said, I pronounce you man and wife. So that's the only time I heard the voice of God from the beginning to the end. Every other thing I heard was the voice of, voice of my like, I like her. I still remember that day. She came, asked me a few questions. And as soon as we finished, the, she asked me three questions. The first one, I told her, listen, I've been talking for a while, so I'm kind of tired. So, asked me the second one, I answered that one easily. Asked me the third one, that was short, right? So, I said, thank you very much. Ah, in my mind, how can this girl go like that? So, I said, that, that first question, maybe we can address it later. <laughs> so I ran to my friend, Chooks. I said, Chooks. Chooks, come. Come and see something. Say, where is it? We started looking for this girl all over the hall. It don't disappear. I said, I'll show you later. I think she'll be back in the evening. Because this same local convention went for. In the evening, everyone was there. We're walking up and down the aisles. You see, these two young men don't know what we're looking for. As if we're... <laughs> We're walking up and down the aisles. I was looking, you know, you, you are stylishly, you don't want anybody to catch you. <laughs> so just, so me and Jesus, just walking up and down. You know, we came in from the back, looked, looked. I didn't know her from the back, so we couldn't find. So we went to the front of the hall, and we're walking back nicely as if nothing did happen now. The guy is just a walker. Finally, I saw her somewhere on the right. Her head was bent, she was praying. I was about to start in the, uh, the evening meeting. So I said, Chooks. <laughs> so he looked in that direction and did like this. <laughs> that was all the Holy Spirit said. Chooks did like this. Not... <laughs> you can't. <laughs> you, can, you can go and read the rest of the story in my book. Should I say yes? Yet I insist, I tell my wife till today, that that one she came to ask me questions. It wasn't her. It was an angel that took her hand and said, come, let me introduce you to somebody. I, I, I believe that thing till tomorrow. Did she see the angel? No. Did I see the angel? No. But my conviction is that the whole, an angel came and said, okay, come, I want to introduce you to somebody. And what the angel did was to drop some thoughts in her heart and said, go and ask that man who just finished preaching. And she came and asked me. And that is all 
that the Holy Spirit needed to see. Holy Spirit knows when I see better things and I no go slack. <laughs> Holy Spirit understood all of that. So he said, why talk to black? Black understands how to handle this thing. The Lord is good. And when I wanted to slack, you know, after I was just said, forget it. Ah, Holy Spirit said, this boy, you're not serious. Now I transferred the unction to one sister called IJ. IJ said, don't worry, I'll handle this matter. But she doesn't know he's an angel. Uh, who was there that day? It was one lady that came from the U.S. We spoke for about 45 minutes. Israel, remember that? Yeah, that was, that was IJ. I've not spoken in a long time. She lives in the U.S. now. Called me one day. I told her, I hope you are ready. Let's say that your story is inside there. She was the one that God just said, don't mind this boy. Don't worry, I know how to handle him. Give the job to IJ. IJ now started doing the job. Called, you know, let's make a long story short. The first time I heard the voice of God, clearly, was, do you take this woman to be your lawful wedded wife? To love and to hold for richer and poorer, for sickness and in health, to death do you part? And I said, Amen. Which is, I do. That's the voice of God. How are you sure you knew what God wanted you to do? I could not have done more than my heart is cleansed to do. I don't know whether I get my point. Even if God spoke clearly, and I heard him clearly, if my heart is not pure, I can only obey to the exact intensity of the purity of my heart. If your heart is not pure, you can't obey God purely. You can't. He spoke. The people of Israel heard him with physical ears. Yet, they did not enter the promised land. There was no doubt as to his will. There was no doubt as to his plan. There was no doubt as to what he had in stock for them. His laws were clear. They had a physical voice. Yet, they could not enter. I hope you are getting my point. That's how it is with the will of God. Though. What am I saying all of these things? I'm talking about sin. So, sin is the reason why we don't enter into God's rest. Sin is the reason why God, no matter, pray from now to tomorrow. If you like, fast, 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 fast until your whole stomach bores a hole. Join it back and continue fasting. If your heart is not purified, you can't hear God clearly and you can't do what he wants you to do even if it was explained clearly to you. I'm still talking about the word fear. It's when we understand this that we're able to go to prayer and pray the right prayers. Because this, the, 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 the aim of what we're discussing is that believers, we can walk above sin clearly. Somebody say amen. amen. Yes, all the devil has as power is temptation. He can never force anybody to do anything. I said it before, that the reason why some temptations appear hard is simply because we are resisting them late. Actually, we are not resisting. We are falling. We are not to be enjoying, in quote, now enjoying, quote, the fruits of falling for the temptation last year. They will now want to say, no, I will not eat. No, it doesn't work like that. Otherwise, that scripture will have been proven wrong. That says that God will not allow you to be tempted more than you are able to resist. And that with everyone, he gives a way of escape. Otherwise, that scripture would not be correct. That scripture would not be correct. But we know it is correct. We know the word of God is true. But why do some things look hard for us? It is simple. It is because the time we start resisting is the time when we have, it's after we have already fallen in reality. 
For example, many people fall with the thought processes of their minds. As I said last time, there are things you should not even secretly desire. Like Job said, did I look at the moon and then quick, gently stretch my hand towards it in worship? There are things deep inside your heart, don't even desire them. Because the thoughts of your heart as a believer, okay, can be a sin. Some people want to enjoy the thoughts and not get involved in the actions. But by their thoughts, they have sinned against God again and again. Then when the action comes, they say, I want to resist. God says, what are you resisting? You fell long ago. That's how Melinkarota has wrote the book, What's on Your Heart? What's on your mind? He started a story by talking about the pastor who was, I think he had an affair with a lady in his church or one long story or the other. Let's make a long story short. This, his whole ministry was about to scatter. And I came to Berlin and asked, what do I do? He now began to analyze the man's problem. He said, this man's problem started with thoughts in his heart that's been there for years. Then one day the thoughts erupted into actions. Those fruits have now come home to roost. He's now, he's now complaining. I remember, I read this book more than 20 years ago. The name of the book is What's on Your Mind by Melin Carothers. And what he was trying to say is that people should take care of what they think about. Don't let thoughts become obsessions in your mind. Fight it. You start fighting sin from there. Yeah. Let me say something to you. In life... <laughs> You know, when the Bible says, don't make room for the devil, you know what it means? The devil cannot enter a place, you don't prepare a room for him there. You know, if you didn't prepare a room for him there, he can't enter the place. What God does is to make us doorkeepers in our lives. We can shut the devil out. What Satan does in life is to present little things for us in life that look harmless, but they really are little doors that he's trying to open into our lives. Because they look harmless, we don't think much about it. So we don't, raise, we don't, we don't fight them strongly. And that's what I'm doing in this series, to let us understand, because the fight against sin is actually easy if we fight it at the right place. Remember the story of mango I was telling last time? If, if I come to your house to plant that mango tree in a wrong place, and you don't want it there, then it's growing. Your wife says, why is that thing there? I don't know. That man just came and planted it. Do you like it? Then no. Remove it now. I don't have time yet. You know we are busy. The children have to go to school in the morning. Then we have to come back. We have to go to work. Then come back late at night. So the mango tree is there. It's growing. After the first year. Why is it still here? I've not had this time. The day I have this mango tree's time, you will see. If you know who I am. You are just growing recklessly in front of my house. <laughs> After five years, say, now nah, let's put the tree down. You, your children, your wife, your neighbors, all of you, you can't. <laughs> are you getting my point? That's now become difficult. Yet, the moment you saw that tree planted, you could have uprooted it. A two-year-old could have pulled it out. Once you saw it beginning to germinate, you could have kicked it down. You could have driven your car over it. You could have done many things that we won't even remember that it was ever planted. Many times we let things germinate. Then, and the devil is very smart. He's very subtle. That's what I'm making. He's very subtle. He doesn't just come and destroy your ministry. No. He plants a mango here. He says, sir, please don't mind this mango. It's harmless. That's what he does. 
Don't mind this tree, it's harmless. It won't do anything. The day you realize it is harmful and you want to uproot it, it has now become deeply entrenched. Let me say it. That's how sin starts. It starts gently. Satan says it's harmless. There's no scripture against it. The Bible never says you shouldn't smoke. Show me one, one version of this Bible that says you shouldn't smoke. And it's not a lie. Who says cigarette smoking is a sin? Have you seen one, one? No. Give me one verse of the scripture that says we can't smoke. There's none. You see? <laughs> Satan said, don't mind them. Take another stick, Joe. You can still go to heaven, which is not a lie. Look, if you are go, coming to heaven, hmm? St. Peter can remove your stick. Put it down, cross it, don't smoke inside here. Now go inside. Some Christians don't believe that. It's actually true. The only thing you don't understand is that it looks small, but Satan knows what he's doing. See the war fighting over can we smoke we will, can we can smoke we will. There are doors. Somebody say doors. doors. There are planes cause many things in life, Satan's traps. Let me give an example. For example, horoscopes. We read horoscopes, many of us, not me. I don't think I've read one line of horoscope in 30 years. It's, harm, it's harmless, actually. That is in itself. You won't go to hellfire for reading horoscope. People ask me, what's your star? Have you ever heard that thing before? Yes. The last time nobody asked me, what's my star? I told him, Jesus. Yeah. He said, no, now you know what I'm talking about. I know what I'm talking about, too. Just like you know what you are talking about. <laughs> yes. Okay, which day were you born? I will tell you my date of birth if you're interested. So your star is here. I say it's a lie. That's not my star. My star is a bright morning star. The root of David. That's my star. That's my star, Jesus. I don't have any other one. I don't care the name you want to call it. Capricorn, Jumpricorn, Bumpricorn. I don't care. It's not my own. Is everybody born like this? This is a star. I say it's a lie. It's for those who belong to the school of horoscopes. I don't. I'm a Christian. Horoscope, they look, they look in upwards, right? Yeah. But it's a Satan's trap. It's a trap of Satan. It's a trap of Satan. You make it a habit. The spirit of fear use that, uses that to enter your life. And you will try to resist fear. And it won't go away. But you could have resisted reading horoscope easily. Can you see what I'm saying? You could easily have resisted Reading the horoscopes. They say, today looks like, looks like a lucky day for you. If you meet somebody from this place, you are likely to have you know, all those nebulous, senseless things. You know the truth is that, people say that, okay, maybe they are spiritualists doing it behind. Most of them are not done by spiritualists. They are done by con men. 